The episode you're about to listen to was released back when the Mere Christians podcast was called The Call to Mastery. Now, if you love Mere Christians, you're still going to love these older episodes because the majority of each conversation focuses on how the gospel influences the work of our guests. With that disclaimer out of the way, please enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to The Call to Mastery. I'm Jordan Rayner. This is a podcast for Christians who want to do their most exceptional work for the glory of God and the good of others. Every week, I host a conversation with a Christ follower who's pursuing world-class mastery of their vocation. We talk about their path to mastery, their daily habits, and how their faith in Jesus Christ influences their work. Today's guest needs no introduction. We're talking with Candace Cameron Bure, the actress of more than three decades of experience purposefully practicing her craft. Of course, Candace is best known for her role as DJ Tanner on Full House, a personal favorite of yours truly growing up in the 90s. So Candace and I recently sat down. We talked about the origins of her signature phrase, Oh My Lanta, how practically Candace initiates conversations about faith on set in the workplace. And we talked about the sign hanging in the back of her church that changed Candace's perspective on her career and on Hollywood. You guys are going to love this conversation with my new friend, Candace Cameron. Oh My Lanta. Candace, camera. How tired is how tired is that greeting for you on podcasts? It's never tiring hearing <laughs> from you. That was awesome. So I'm actually curious. I was talking to my wife about this. Did you make this up on the set of Full House? Did you like create Oh My Lanta? Was this written for you? No, it's from me. I created it. I guess. <laughs> You know, probably maybe another one of my friends would say it. I don't really remember how I got it, but I didn't like saying, oh, my, you know, G-O-D. So I wouldn't. And I would just always say, oh, my Lanta. And the writers (laughs) thought it was super funny. So they wrote that into the show, which I was very happy about because I'm like, well, say gosh, but I just don't want to use God's name in vain. (laughs) That's amazing. But why my Lanta? Is this like a play on Atlanta? What's the deal? No, I think it was from, you know, the, the Mylanta product is like a digestive product. So I think there used to be a commercial when I was younger that was like Mylanta. And then we were, (laughs) we would just make a joke about it. Like, Oh, like my stomach hurts. Oh, Mylanta. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. That's where it came from. So speaking of full house, you guys just wrapped up the fifth and final season of Fuller House on Netflix. What are the chances we're going to see a full list house 20 years from now? Never say never. Never say never. <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to put odds on it? No. I, I <laughs> the odds are 50-50 at this point because it's totally not up to me. I would do it in a heartbeat. You're, you're down. You're down. Oh yeah, I'm super down, but it it all depends on Warner Brothers and Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Such a fascinating, complex world. So Candace, you you started acting when you were super young, right? Like six years old, something like that. Is that right? Five. Yes. Five. Oh my gosh. So you've been at this a couple of years. We won't say how many. 
Way more. Party, than the, party. That's right. Okay. That's right. Way more than the requisite 10,000 hours of purposeful practice that it takes to master something professionally. So I'm curious. Right. From your perspective, what do world-class actors do that their less masterful counterparts don't do? What's the difference between good and great in your field? This is somewhat of a difficult question for me to answer because I feel like my perspective is quite unique, although there are a good handful of other people that were successful child actors that have become successful adult actors, but I don't have the typical upbringing as far as a professional life where I went to school, went to college, or studied my craft and then started it as an adult. I really learned on the spot. And so with that being said, I think what makes someone, at least in my case, successful is that I really paid attention. I paid attention even when I was a kid at five years old. And I mean, that's something anyone has to do. And if, whether you're in school or not for it, but I I loved what I saw. I enjoyed watching people work. And then even as a kid, as an actor, I would watch the director and then I would ask the director, oh, can I follow you around? Can I see what you do in the booth? That was like a separate part once the cameras came in where the director would sit and coordinate all the different cameras. And I would ask, can I watch that? Can I sit in there with you? I would ask the camera operators questions. And I think it really is about studying your craft. But Mm. again, with my perspective and my circumstance, I had a hands-on opportunity since I was 10 years old because of Full House. Yeah. But no, there's a lot of wisdom there that can be applied to anyone at any stage of their career, right? This like insatiable curiosity. Right. The the, the willingness to admit what you don't know, which I imagine is pretty easy when you're five. Yes. And and just ask a lot of good questions, right? Absolutely. And to remember that there's no job that's unworthy of your attention. Hmm. So if you are in school, if you are an intern somewhere, it might not be the work that you're wanting to do at that moment, but everything is a building block. Everything is a stepping stone to where you want to go. And you should never be embarrassed by it or feel above it. Just do the work because it gives you so much knowledge in so many aspects to the facet of the career that you want to be in. Mm, Yeah. Speaking of hard work, we were talking right before we start recording. This is your fifth podcast interview today. So we're going to be gracious with you, Candace. This is, you, you got to be exhausted. <laughs> you. And you're on this podcast spree because you just released your third children's book, Candace's Playful Puppy, which I read to my four and six year old last night. It came out yesterday. I read it to them last night and loved it. What's the 30 second overview of this book? Oh, fantastic. I hope they really enjoyed it. They did. They did genuinely. They want a dog and we won't give them one. So <laughs> perfect. They Let's loved it. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, There's always a little lesson to be learned in any of the Candace children's books, and they are all based on the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so this book taps into faithfulness. Candace goes and rescues and adopts a puppy, and her mom teaches her how to be faithful in her responsibility to take care of a puppy. And faithfulness, we know when you hang in there and are faithful with anything, you're always rewarded in the end. 
I love it. And so here's why I brought it up. I don't think we talk about faithfulness enough when it comes to careers. Right now, more mm. than ever, we're switching disciplines entirely, switching jobs every two years. Gallup's got a ton of good data on this. You've been really faithful to honing your craft. What does that look like for you and what has that meant for you? What does this concept of faithfulness look like for you vocationally? Well, you're right. So, you know, I was a child actor up until I was 18. I was on Full House. And then I took about a good 10-year break, a little longer than that, because I got married, I had three children, and I really wanted to stay at home and raise my kids. And then I came back into the industry around 32 years old. And when I came back, I had a very clear purpose as to what I was coming back to and why I was coming back. Your why is always incredibly important. And I had also built priorities and guidelines in how I wanted to do all of this. Hmm. So, okay, (laughs) here's my my brain's leaving me. Ask me the original question so I can tie this back. No, no, this is good. Just what faithfulness looked like for you professionally. But but I'm actually interested in a different question now that's related, right? Like during that time when you went back, you want to be an excellent mom, an excellent wife, and excellent at your craft. How did you ensure that you were faithful to the pursuit of excellence in both? Well, I think when I decided to put my career on hold and be a stay-at-home mom, and that was a huge decision in and of itself because I love what I do professionally. I never wanted to stop working, but I realized that I would not be the excellent mom or the best wife that I could be if I didn't put something down for a while. And for me, that was my career. And so that was a choice that I wanted to make and I was happy to make. But of course, there's always a fear of like, oh my gosh, but what if I can't pick it up and do it again? Hmm. But that the fear, or I will say the importance of being the best wife and mom that I could be far outweighed the fear of my career, whether or not I'd be able to go back into it. And I really trusted in God. I said, God, you know, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. You've given me these beautiful children. I want to raise them. I want to be their primary caretaker. And I hope I'll be able to work again. I hope that you'll open that door for me. But I had such peace in my heart knowing that God is God. God is going to lead me in the right direction. Of course, I have to take action and step into that, but he will open and close doors that are best for us. And I had full trust in that. So it gave me a real boost of confidence to know that I was in the season of life that I was meant to be, to be a stay-at-home mom in the career. If it came back, great. But okay if it didn't. You mentioned before that you had a really clear idea of why you were coming back to work. What was that for you? When I took that time off of work to stay at home and raise my kids, my relationship with Jesus grew immensely. It just, that was the most, I don't want to say the most fruitful time of my faith journey because I continue it every single day. I I want to continue to grow every day, but it was just such an overhaul in my life, meaning that God became the everything in my life and became the first priority in my life. So when I came back into the entertainment industry, I knew that my purpose 
ultimately, I mean, life's purpose, big, big purpose, the one and only purpose is to glorify God. I knew that. Like my life's purpose is to bring God glory. Now, the way in which I do that are all of these secondary priorities in my life. So a way in which I can glorify God is through my acting career, through the projects and the programming that I choose. It's through my children, through my family. I mean, there's all different ways I can glorify God, but my intention going back into the business was to always choose projects that I felt were honoring to God, that would be honoring to people and families. And I intentionally chose to be in family entertainment for the rest of my career. Hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And it's really the heartbeat of this podcast, right? That our work is one of many ways that we can glorify God. We all have this big picture mission which is to glorify God, but we get great freedom. The Lord in his graciousness gives us freedom to choose how we'll do that, right? Vocationally, familially, it's a really beautiful thing. And I want to come back to this intersection of faith and work in a minute. But first, we do like to talk a little bit on the podcast about daily habits and routines. I got to imagine time in the word is important for you. I'm curious if you start your day that way and just take us through the TikTok of a typical day for Candace these days. My days are very different every day because of what I do for a living. So some days I am on location, I'm in another country, I'm in a hotel, I'm on set. Some days I'm working completely from home, like today, doing podcasts, interviews, and other interviews online. So I do not have a typical nine-to-five schedule, and that is part of my routine. My my routine had to become a very go with the flow type of day. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be very flexible with my schedule. And I cannot be so rigid with anything that I can't just be like, great, cool. Let's just you know switch whatever I'm doing right now and jump to the next thing. I always have to be prepared that anything can happen and anything can change. So Especially, yes, I spend time in the Word every day, and that looks different every day. I am reading through the Bible this year. I've read the Bible (laughs) completely a few times, but this year, instead of really studying specific books, I decided that I wanted to just read the Bible within this year. So that requires a lot of daily reading. And that is something that I have to plan into my day so that I don't miss it because it's very easy to fall far behind when you have, you know, 10 chapters of the Bible you're reading a day. So if I have a later morning, I love to get my reading done in the morning if I can. But a lot of times, particularly when I'm shooting movies, my call time is 5 a.m. So I'm up yeah. at 4 a.m. My brain is not functioning. If I read <laughs> the word, it is not processing anything I'm reading. So I know that is not a good time for me to read. So then I will, I bring my Bible pretty much everywhere I go. And so on my lunch break, if I can do 30 minutes of reading, then I will. And a lot of times I do my reading at night before I go to bed. Yeah. What is the Lord revealing to you right now, like today, yesterday, this week in his word? I just started the book of Numbers. I've been in Leviticus, <laughs> Exodus. You're, you're, in the, you're in the good part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the really the riveting, good part of the law. The riveting part, yeah. Yeah. So what I feel God is calling me to is 
and I'm not just saying this because we talked about faithfulness with my puppy book, but it really <laughs> is about faithfulness. God is like, I want you to show up every day because God knows my schedule. God knows when I push my Bible reading or my prayer time off with him because a lot of times my days get packed. And that's the first thing that just like gets pushed aside because I know it's easy to. And I I can go, I can find a half an hour here if I don't read my Bible today. And so many times that happens. And this year, God is like, nope, I want your faithfulness. I want to hear from you every single day. I want to spend time with you every single day. And I am so trying to be obedient to the best of my ability in that regard to just being with him and spending time. And sometimes it honestly, it does feel rushed, but I feel so... I feel so empowered with his spirit through it, even if it's like not the most interesting book of the Bible. Although, you know, the first five books are quite interesting, but. (laughs) There's a lot there. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm rambling at this point. (laughs) No, this is good. No, this is fascinating. Yeah, this is terrific. But, you know, sometimes you have to look at it from a different perspective because, of course, you can read a New Testament book. You can read the book of Ephesians and say like, oh, I totally get how I'm applying these verses to my life right now and right here. Yep. And then you're in the book of Leviticus and you're like, okay, yeah, none of this applies to me. And yet it 100% does. You just have to have the right perspective looking at, well, what is the book of Leviticus teaching me? Oh my gosh, look at all the rules. Look at all the law. Look at the standard that everyone had to hold up in order to have this relationship with God. Oh my goodness, I don't have to uphold all of that by the letter, by the law, because of what Jesus did for me. It's like all of that gets put into perspective, but I'm running out of breath. God just wants my obedience, and that's what I'm trying to do this year. Yeah. Well, and speaking of faithfulness, I mean, really, you could argue that's the thing. Our lack of faithfulness to the law and to living life the way that God designed it to be, hence our need for Christ. So Candace, I was reading in your bio that you were baptized when you were 12. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't until later on that you really understood yourself as a sinner in need of salvation. When would you say that you really recognized Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What was that turning point for you? Where were you in your career? I'm really curious. I was about probably 24 years old. Mm-hmm. So I had had my daughter, our daughter, Natasha. So I've been married almost 25 years. And I was 22 when I had her. And that's when I really started digging into my faith. Because although I had called myself a Christian for many years, and I was baptized at 12, and I, I truly believe that I was a Christian, but I didn't read my Bible. I didn't go to church much. It was just more of a box that I checked off in my life. Like, oh yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And after I had children, I started thinking, oh, what do I want to teach them? What do I want them to know about God? And then realized, what do I actually know about God? I don't, because I don't really read my Bible. And that's when I started praying that God would really open my eyes to his word and would help me understand and that's when my faith really grew because I then had that moment where the gospel message actually made sense to me for the first time in my life because Mm -hmm. the gospel is 
a saving grace for sinners. Except the problem was I never really considered myself to be a sinner because I thought I was such a good person. Yeah. I was reading in Psalms and Matthew and reading the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn. And I was reading a commentary. It's like the mourning here is mourning over sin, right? Is really Mm -hmm. what this is talking about, right? I was like, man, do I mourn my sin? Like really understand how dark my heart is, right? Because if you don't get that, you can't fully appreciate the gospel. So speaking of the gospel, and as you grew in your understanding of the gospel, I'm curious how that changed your perspective on your work. So obviously you're in this period where you're not working outside the home, but how did it start to change your perspective on acting and how did that influence you as you went back into that world? Well, You know, I'm really grateful to my family, my parents, and I'm so grateful for the job that they did. I feel like they gave me a good foundation and a level head. And I say that because I've never been the person that even desired to go down a dark road or get mixed up in in like drugs and alcohol that, you know, you hear about child stars that there's always, you know, issues with child stars. But I really had a very happy upbringing and great parents and never that desire to go down the dark road. But when the gospel really made sense to me and I understood what my purpose was now in life, which is to glorify God, that is what changed my perspective going back into the industry. So a quick little story. Yeah, please. We lived in Florida for 10 years. My husband played professional hockey and we lived there and we had a great church that we went to. And when you would leave the parking lot, there was a sign that said, you are now entering the mission field. I love it. Yeah. Best sign ever. I'll never forget it. So when I went back into the entertainment industry, the sign keeps popping into my mind. You are now entering the mission field. You're now entering the mission field. So I looked at the entertainment industry as my mission field. And I thought, okay, so how can I use the talents that God's given me and the desires of my heart, which he's given me? to glorify you and utilize all the creativity that I have in me. And that has just been my perspective ever since, along with some of the other guidelines that, you know, we briefly talked about. Mm. So when you gain this new perspective, by the way, we have almost the exact same sign at my church in Florida. How about that? (laughs) Right at the exit. When you gain this new perspective, though, and you're looking at the entertainment industry as your mission field, you already talked about one of the ways that your perspective on work changed, right? In terms of picking projects, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in family entertainment. That's my lane. I'm going to pick projects that are glorifying God. In what other ways did your work change? Did you start having more conversations about faith with people on set? Did you like what else about your work changed? Yeah, so many. So not only with the projects, but all the things behind the scenes that people don't get to see Mm -hmm. and that I don't talk about very often. But now, as my career has grown over the last decade, I mean, not only am I an actor, but the majority of everything I work on, I produce as well. So that allows me to have not only creativity, but a voice in all the decisions that are being made from the start. Mm -hmm. But along the way, even before I got to that position, I 
was very vocal about speaking up if something didn't sit well with me, if as an actor, certain lines I felt were not appropriate for me to say or I wasn't comfortable. And for people listening that don't always understand the politics of the entertainment industry, there's definitely a hierarchy in terms of who has a voice and who doesn't. So if you are an actor and you know, you're know you not this A-list actor or the number one person on there, they're usually not going to listen to what you have to say You know, much. The producers make the decisions, the network, all the people who have the money are the ones that are making those decisions. Right. So when I think about it from my perspective, even speaking up to say, hey, I'm not that comfortable, or could I say, oh, my Lanta, instead of <laughs> something else, like that's a big deal. It really is because they could just say like, are you crazy? No. But I learned over the years that no, I'm not crazy and it never hurts to ask. And the worst they can say is no. But I kept sticking up for what I believed in and tried to always contribute in a positive way, even if some of the programming, because like I said, I have intentionally chosen to be in family-friendly entertainment for my career. But family-friendly does not always mean Christian. Right. So most of the things I do do not have a Christian theme as far as the movies and television that I do, but they are all considered family friendly. So Fuller House, for instance, there's many things that, you know, we rehearse a show for two or three days before we tape it and the script is continually getting adjusted to make it funnier, to make it more concise, whatever it needs. But Over the years, I have had a very strong voice in the development of certain episodes, in voicing an opinion that I don't think would be appropriate for families or children of certain ages to watch. And those are all the types of decisions that I make as a Christian woman to kind of see the bigger, better view or better overall view and to have a voice. And now on the other, without rambling even longer, on the other end of that, sharing my faith behind the scenes, not in front of the camera, that is like a given. That is something I always do. So whether you, if you're seeing me in front of the camera or just my name as a producer on a project, I'm always having conversations with people behind the scenes and sharing the gospel. So you say that's a given. I don't think that's a given for a lot of people. In the workplace, Candace, right? So no, you're right. You probably isn't. Yeah, so which it should it should be, right? But what does that look like for you, really practically? How do you open up doors? Because you don't just walk up to somebody and hand them a track and say, "Can I walk you through the room?" How do you do this? So you're right. I don't walk up. I realize that in the workplace, it can be very, very tricky and not always appropriate to be talking about it. So. At this point in my career, people know how open I am about my faith, and I feel like I'm this beacon that people look to. So I always leave the door open, but I also will wait for conversations because if someone drops a word or drops a hint, I pick up that cue to know that, oh, they're interested in talking about faith. And I really do that with their permission, in a sense, because they've given me that open door. I never want to bombard someone. I don't just start talking about it to make anyone feel uncomfortable or bad. And yet, 
I'm so very comfortable talking about my faith that it's a part of my everyday language. So whether I'm intentionally evangelizing or not, it's just a part of who I am and a part of my everyday language. So if someone's like, hey, how was your night last night? I could easily say, you know, it was so great. The time I had with my family was such a blessing. And my son said this incredible prayer over dinner and I blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just a part of my everyday language. So then people automatically know, oh, she's a woman that's not as scared to talk about it. And oftentimes people will come up and say, hey, can I ask you a question or would you pray for me? I'm not really a religious person, but I know you are. And, you know, once they open the door, I just, I'm so welcoming and love those conversations. I love that, right? So it's the language you use to make clear that, hey, the door's open for you, but it's also you looking for opportunities where they are subtly hinting at, hey, I'm opening the door and I'm willing to talk. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Hey, we mentioned the launch of your children's book before. You also just launched a movie way back in December. And I find as an author that culture makers, whether you're an author, an actress, an entrepreneur, whatever, we can be particularly anxious around launch time, right? When you're launching something new, you want it to go well, and it can be so tricky for your identity and self-worth not to be tied up in that. So I'm curious for you right now, you're launching a book right now. What do you do to remind yourself that your worth is not ultimately in how a book or a movie performs, but in the finished work of Christ? Such a great question. I will tell you that as an author, I've never I've never been anxious about a launch before because being an author is like a bonus on my resume. Oh, I, I, mean, I never intended to be one. I never thought I would be. So anytime I put something out, I'm just so proud of the accomplishment that I don't care what the numbers are. I haven't even, someone told me on an earlier interview that they're like, oh, congrats, you're number one on Amazon right now for the number one children's book. (laughs) And I was like, I am? Like, I I do not check the numbers and it doesn't matter to me because I'm just proud of it. Yeah. But on the flip side, I worry all the time about my movies. I actually got sick to my stomach on this last Christmas movie that aired in November because I've created an an anxiety for myself because my movies have been the top performing movie, you know, seven years in a row. And then, you know, one day you're going to be, you're going to slide off that. That's right. It's It's inevitable. It's inevitable. It has to happen. And so every year it kind of makes me sicker and sicker every time I have a movie to come out. Cause I'm like, is this going to be the year? Is this it? And I had to have a come to Jesus moment with myself in 2020 because I thought, you know, why are you doing this? Meaning, why are you making the movies? I had to bring it back to my why, my why that I set 12 years ago coming back into the industry. Why do you make the movies, Candace? I make them because I love acting. I make them because of the connections I make and the the conversations that I have with people. I'm a social person. I love people. And I just downright have fun. I love my work. I love doing my job. That's why I do this. Hmm. Like, okay, so what do the ratings have to do with it? Well, you know, I can answer that and say, of course, ratings are important because if they do well, they allow me to make another one. But at this point in my career, they do pretty well. I'm not going to be at a loss, even if one does poorly. So I had to remind myself of my why and then let it go and just say, you know what? Doesn't matter what those ratings are. And 
there was something about releasing it and just literally giving it over to God. And I just prayed like, God, please, I don't want this anxiety. I want to just enjoy what I do and make people happy and let me not focus, help me to not focus on the numbers. It's not about the numbers. It's about the joy it brings me and help, help me remind myself of that. And I did. And it felt a whole lot better (laughs) this past year. I love that so much. All right, Candace, three questions we wrap up every conversation with. Number one, which books do you recommend or gift most frequently to others? Well, I know this is a little self-serving. Respect, respect, yeah. I, I have to because the last trade book I wrote in 2018 is called Kind is the New Classy. Yeah. And I think this is, I wrote this book having just been a co-host on The View. And I think it's a really wonderful book to remind people to have respectful dialogues, civil conversations, particularly with people you don't agree with. And we are in such a time that is a cancel culture. And I like to remind people to bring it back to a kindness culture. Let's outkind one another. Mm. So that is one. My second book that I'm so curious if you've read this book, it's called Excellence Wins. I love Excellence Wins. Oh, it's so good. It's so good by Horst Schulze. And he was the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton. And I love this book because he just talks about excellence in every job that you do and all of his stories, every example that he used. I was glued to this book and I can't recommend it highly enough. It's phenomenal. And Horst was in episode number five here on the call to Matt. Right before he released that book. It was terrific. I actually read it at a Ritz Carlton. So I like put some of this stuff to the test. It was wonderful. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm going to go listen to it. I would love to hear that. And every time I stay at a Ritz Carlton, (laughs) I'm like, I love it to the test. I love it. Exactly. Who would you most like to hear on this podcast talking about the intersection of their faith and their work? Oh, well, I'm definitely going to go listen to Horse, that interview since you've already done it. So who I'd really like to hear, and maybe you've already interviewed him, I don't know, Tyler Perry. I have not talked to Tyler Perry yet, but I would love to. Yes. He's the one because, you know, his career is absolutely phenomenal, and he... He has really changed the game. He's done it his way in terms of not just following the standard protocol, like this is how you have to do it. He's been so innovative in finding different ways to do it and ways that still work that are fiscally, you know, and economically incredible. And anyway, I know he's a man of faith, but I don't know a lot about that part of his life. So I would love to hear more about it. That's a great answer. He is an incredible innovator, really starting his own course in the entertainment industry. All right, last question. One piece of advice to leave this audience with, this audience who, like you, cares deeply about their work and doing it exceptionally well for the glory of God and the good of others. What do you want to say to them? Before you step out into the workplace, know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are and whose you are, that would be a child of God, the world will tell you 
who you are or the world will tell you who you need to be. Hmm. And the world will always guide you from a worldly perspective. So know who you are and whose you are. Have conviction. Prepare your boundaries and surround yourself with people that will ultimately have your best interest in mind that can offer guidance and perspective and protection. Mm, That's great. Hey, Candace, I just want to commend you and all of our listeners, right, for the important God-glorifying work you're doing every single day. Thank you for your commitment to your craft your commitment to the Ministry of Excellence. Hey, everybody, go buy a copy of Candace's Playful Puppy, wherever books are sold, again, based on the fruits of the spirit these books are. And as always, you can connect with Candace at CandaceCBeret.com. Candace, thank you so much for joining us on The Call to Mastery. Thank you, Jordan, so much. This was awesome. I loved it. And I can't wait to hear more of your episodes. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Hey, if you are enjoying the call to mastery, do me a huge favor and go leave a review of the podcast right now. By the way, you know how we get bigger and bigger names on the show like Candace Cameron? By the number of reviews on the show because that's what their publicists are looking at, guys, to determine, hey, is there a real audience here? And there is a real large growing audience here at the call to mastery. So let's show them that. Go leave a rating of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you got a couple of extra minutes, leave a review. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show this week. I'll see you next time.